listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Battle Ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good morning. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O glorious St. Blaise, who by thy martyrdom has left to the Church a precious witness to the faith, obtain for us the grace to preserve within ourselves this divine gift, and to defend without human respect both thy word and example, the truth of that same faith which is so wickedly attacked and slandered in these our times. You who miraculously cured a little child when it was at the point of death by reason of an affliction of the throat, grant us your powerful protection in like misfortunes, and above all, obtain for us the grace of repentance together with a faithful observance of our church and avoidance from offending Almighty God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So great to be with you today. Um, Yesterday, of course, was the presentation uh, of Jesus in the temple, and uh, also candle mass. So we blessed all our candles that we use here in the parish, and many people brought candles to be blessed and taken home to keep in their homes. It was a beautiful celebration. And then, of course, today we have the blessing of throats with candles, uh, which we did as well. And it dawned on me, I was speaking to the deacon here, my good deacon, Deacon Dan, and asked him, to, I don't remember having ever felt like we're being blessed so abundantly by God. It's like yesterday, he gave us these holy candles to take home and lighten our homes, uh, which have a, a special prayer protection over them. Today, we have the blessing of our throats and a protection against all illnesses, not just disease of the throat. Um But these days always follow each other every year. It's always this presentation on the second, Blaze on the third. And then it dawned on me, I think last year, under the direction of our bishops, we were told to not give individual blessings, but to do a universal blessing from the altar over all the people at once. And I think that's what we wound up doing. Similarly, on Ash Wednesday, we were told to sprinkle ashes on the top of their heads to not touch the people. You know, because that's what Jesus did his whole life, avoided people and didn't want to touch anybody. I'm joking. So uh, this year we will be giving the sign of the cross on the forehead as uh, was the norm before COVID. But indeed, we are being blessed so abundantly. It's almost like he's preparing us. He's, he's getting us battle ready for the days to come. And today, uh, I just wanted to um, make you aware uh the news yesterday was reporting that Johns Hopkins University has been studying the effects of COVID, and they released uh, their findings, which were quite shocking. They said that by shutting down everybody's businesses, homes, and the whole world, it uh, had a two per- two-tenths of one percent effect on the death rate, which in essence means... Uh, quote, this is from uh, the gentleman that ran the study, uh, ran the evidence. We find little to no evidence that mandated lockdowns in Europe and the United States had any noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality rates. So uh, all that didn't do much of anything. In fact, I remember uh, there was a point during this whole spread of this virus that the cities and countries that were the most locked down had the highest rates of infection. So, you know, you just... I hope we learned our lesson here, and we won't be going back to doing that. Uh, Terrible effects it had on children, 
on learning, on uh, brain function, lack of oxygen, all sorts of things. So we just have to be a little more uh, prudent and wise in making such sweeping decisions that affect the whole population. Okay, today I uh, wanted to talk to you about um, God's perfect and uh, unconditional love that he has for you. The reason I came up with this, I was reading a uh, piece that Mark Mallett had written, and he was talking about as a kid that he um, had a very, uh, he, had, he suffered from scrupulosity, and he he always felt that he, he couldn't be lovable because of his sinfulness, uh, that how could God love him when he constantly um, would would be you know erring in the ways of sins? Not not he wasn't talking about big sins. He's talking about just coming going to confession, coming out of confession, and then immediately um, you know making a snide comment to somebody. And oops, there you go, you've sinned so suddenly. Uh, how could God possibly love you? Well, in fact, God does love us, and He knows our weak condition. Jesus walked among us. He never shied away from those who had sins. Never. In fact, he helped them. He helped them. Everybody that approached him for help, he he, uh, he gave them the help they needed. And in, in many cases, he also told them, it's in the case of the woman caught in adultery, uh, your sins are forgiven and now sin no more. Now, he he knows we're going to sin again, but he's asking us to strive to be holy to strive to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. It's the getting back up on the horse after we fall down that's so critical to becoming a saint. When you look at his best friends, um, Peter Peter denied him three times on the very uh, evening of his uh, preceding his crucifixion. Peter, right after his ordination at the Last Supper, uh, Peter drew his sword in a fight in the garden and chopped off a man's ear. Now, when you're swinging a sword at somebody's head, I would venture to guess Peter wasn't trying to cut off his ear. Peter was trying to cut off his head. He was trying to kill him. So this is our first pope. Uh, and he was forgiven. Jesus forgave him and continued to uh, keep him in that position of being the first uh, pope uh, among the apostles. So, when we think about the other the other ones, um, the sons of thunder, uh, James and John, um, when they were snubbed by a town, as they were walking through, they were not very hospitable to the apostles. Uh, they turned to Jesus and say, "Should we call down fire from heaven to uh, rain down on them and basically obliterate them?" These were men that were living with Jesus 24-7, and uh, they still had their own opinions and mindset about how to treat people that totally went against the ideal that Jesus lays down for all of us. So Mary Magdalene, another one, is possessed by seven demons. Seven uh, means God's perfect number. It perhaps could be seven. It could have been 77. Uh, we don't know, but she would have been a big mess. When you have seven demons operating in your life, you're going to be a mess. Uh, many of 
of the church fathers took that to mean it could have been the seven capital sins. The the capital sins all have demons that accompany them. Uh, so that would have been a horrible plight. And yet she becomes a new creation in her encounter with Jesus, whereby she then becomes the apostle to the apostles. That was her role. Uh, so th this is what Jesus does when people are opened to receiving the grace to change. They truly do change. Now, if you think about um, this past Sunday, we had the reading that Paul uh, gave to the Corinthians where he says, love is patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly ever notice when others do it wrong. Um, this ideal of love, love is patient and kind, when we say uh, love, we can interchange the word Jesus with love because he's incarnate love. He is uh, the living example of perfect love. So let's just do that. I did this for the parish here in Colombia. Uh, I switched out the word love with Jesus. Listen to what this says now. It will ring even more true. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful. He is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrong but rejoices in the right. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That's really him. When, when you listen to it that way, um, you know, uh, it's, it, it's completely describing him. The only caveat to that would say, um, Jesus does not insist on his own way. Well, he sort of does. <laughs> that would be the exception to the rule there. Uh, Jesus does, he doesn't, he's not insisting, we do have free will, but he's telling us we need, if we're going to be with him, we must follow his way. So that'd be the only difference I would say there. Uh, now, let's see how well we're doing. Let's, I'm going to look at a different translation. I was doing RSV, I'm looking now at the New American Standard Bible. Um, okay, put in your own name to see how well you're doing and really listen to the Holy Spirit as you're doing this. I'll use my own name. Father Dan is patient. Father Dan is kind. Father Dan is not jealous. He does not brag. He is not arrogant. He does not act disgracefully. He does not seek his own benefit. He is not provoked. He does not keep an account of wrong suffering. He does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth. He keeps every confidence. He believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Uh, when you do that, you kind of start to realize that you're falling short. So this is a good exercise that everybody should take the Bible to your prayer, hour, uh, your prayer time or your holy hour and go through that. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And... Um, it really will open your eyes to where you need to start working a little harder uh, in in polishing up uh, parts of your 
person that are not quite in complete conformity to that of Jesus Christ. That's a great exercise to do. The funny thing is that um, I don't think I, I don't know if I told this on the air yet or not, but it was last Friday that I had a um, an exorcism, and uh, it was about an hour from from my church, and it was not a Catholic person. And this poor woman, uh, back in October, she had heard that if you invite a particular demon, I'm not going to name it because I don't need anybody thinking about it, into your life, that your finances will improve. So she did this. Well, her finances did not improve. In fact, her health deteriorated so quickly that she was uh, completely uh, bedridden within a few days, lost the use of her legs completely, had her neck got very stiff, where she couldn't even kind of turn her head, and she was unable to eat. And this is how she's been for October, November, December, January, about four months. She's lost almost 80 pounds. Um, she's miserable. And uh, that's when I got the phone call. So I go to see her, and uh, I took with me a young seminarian who is sort of being trained to learn about these things. And uh, when we walked in the home, the first thing I noticed was complete chaos was in this house. Um, it was filthy, and not just cluttered, but dirty with food, old food, mold. Um, it was just a, it was just complete state of disarray. And that's often quite the case, because when chaos reigns in your soul, chaos reigns in your life. So uh, right away, I was slightly a little bit taken aback, and I started speaking to her, and as I'm talking to her uh, about her afflictions, I start noticing she has occult tattoos on her body, and I mentioned to her, uh, why would you put those on your body? And, you know, she gave me some reason or whatever. I asked, do you have a Bible? I could read. She didn't. I said, is there a crucifix in your home? There wasn't. And there was a tray next to her of about 50 or 60 cigarette butts that I could smell, even though I was several feet away from, from the ashtray. And it was just a stench of um, death. That's what it smelled like. It was just a, a foul and festery odor in the house. Anyway, well, as this is happening, I'm starting to be a bit repulsed interiorly by the whole situation. And I'm starting to actually get a little bit uh, angry with her for not taking any part of her faith seriously. She was a baptized Christian, uh, but she's dabbling in all this occult and inviting demons in. She has no evidence that she is a Christian in her home. She's killing herself with these cigarettes. She's not eating healthy. Uh, not eating at all, but that, I mean, that's really not her fault. She couldn't. And as I'm in my mind, I'm having these judgments go through my head. Uh, the Lord simply said to me, just love her. And when I looked down at her after he said that, she looked like just um, a battered little child that was in terrible fear and needed help from like a, 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 a parent. And it really made me have such compassion for her. Um, it just changed my heart in a second. I said, okay, we're going to pray. And um, the other thing that concerned me is she needed to get back to church. 
You know, we have to get back under the umbrella of God's protection. And as Christians, that means we honor God in, in all ways, but especially on the Sabbath, which for us is Sunday, to go and worship him. You know, one day a week, we go on a little pilgrimage to our local church and we worship and adore the Lord. Uh, as Catholics, we do that in the Mass. But for the other Christian denominations, whatever you have at your church, go back and connect. And the fact that she couldn't walk was troubling to me because that was going to pose an obstacle. Anyway, you know what? I said, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands. We're going to pray. I'm going to do the deliverance prayers over you. And, and God is going to come into your life in a profound way today. So I did that. And he did come. And uh, towards the back end of the deliverance prayers, she had a sudden jolt go through her body. And she kind of uh, like leapt up a little bit out of her chair and uh, fell back down. And I, we all saw it. So uh, when I was done, I said to her, uh, what, what did you feel? And she said, I don't know. It was like something came out of me. And I felt it leave. It went right out the back of my neck and left. And she was now spinning her head, uh, controlling her head back and forth. And she could move her neck perfectly. But she still couldn't move her legs. But she was very happy at this point. And at that point, uh, we pray prayers of thanksgiving and then prayers of protection against retaliation spirits. And then pretty much the, the whole process is done. And... Um, in deliverance and exorcism ministry, things can go sideways real fast if you're not following the rules. <laughs> and it really is, there are rules that must be applied in the way we do things because we're dealing with the demonic and they have to abide by God's rules and they know when we're not abiding by them. So it's very, you have to be very careful. You can't kind of freelance it or just wing it. Well, with this, the Lord says to me, pray over her legs, interiorly in my head. I, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, um, this isn't part of, of the, the, the deliverance prayers. Um, and I was a little uncomfortable with it because I'm thinking, oh, of course, I'm always thinking, this gives you some insight into my own mind. I'm thinking I don't want to do something that's going to uh, misinform the seminarian. But the Lord said, just do it. And so I said, okay. So I asked permission. I said, may I pray over your legs? And she said, yeah, that would be fine. Um, and she had a blanket over her. And I just put my hand on her leg and I started praying. And the words that came to me were, just in the name of Jesus Christ, legs be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, legs be healed. And then I broke some spirits of blockage and death and some other things off of her. And then uh, I got the scripture kind of that came to mind, which Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk and go. And so I just said to her, get up and walk. And I, d I really didn't expect her to, to try, but she just pushed down on the arms of the chair and up she came. And there she went and she started walking around her living room. And then she started crying, happy tears. And then she started like screaming out and rejoicing. And her husband is in the room and he's crying and he's rejoicing. You know, she hasn't walked in four months and now she's up and back to in the land of the living. So it just goes to show you that, you know, perfect love is looking past all the qualities in a person that we find uh, troubling or distasteful or um, 
not convenient for us. <laughs> and just going to their heart and seeing them as Jesus sees them. He always sees the best in everybody he looks at, uh, even though we're not perfect. So a lot of people are afraid to come back to church or to go to confession or to, you name it, they're afraid of doing it because they feel that they're not good enough yet. They have to become better before he will love them. That is such a lie. That is one of the biggest lies Satan throws at people, that you're not good enough for God to love you yet. Keep working on yourself. We can't make ourselves into saints. It's only by his grace. So you got to get close to him as soon as possible so he can do the work he needs to do in you that makes you into the saint you were created to be. Do not wait another day. Today is the appointed day and time to begin your pathway to sainthood. And it's quite simple. Uh, repent and believe in the gospel. This is what Jesus started out saying. So just whatever your sins are, just if you can go to confession, go to confession. Uh, give them some time. Think about your life and, and write down what you need to confess. Don't just walk in and, and wing it. It's a serious thing, having your soul polished to perfection. So take a little time, do an examination of conscience, and then go, and, and uh, you will be forgiven and absolved. And then move closer to Jesus. Spend time every day to talk to him, to pray to him, to intercede for others to him, um, and just to spend time in his presence, you know? The, you, you will change. I've challenged people before. If you come to adoration every day for a month, just even for 15 minutes, by the end of the month, you'll be a different person and you will know you're different. You will feel different. You will act different. You will be happier. This is what we need to be doing. And I think we're coming to a point in history when the church is suddenly going to be filled and overflowing. God is going to do something that's going to fill our churches and they'll be overflowing with so many people that the priests will be doing nothing but the sacraments. Nothing. You know, our patron saint uh, as priest is St. John Vianney, John Marie Vianney of France. He spent about 12 to 15 hours a day hearing confessions and then another hour or an hour and a half celebrating mass with very bold and zeal-filled homilies. And that was his life, baptizing, marriages, um, and we're always told by our bishops, oh, be like your patron, be like our patron. We have mounds of paperwork and administration that we have to complete you know, on a regular basis. He didn't have to do that. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, let's be realistic. Uh, if we had a priest in mo almost all dioceses that was spending 12 hours in the confessional, and uh, he would probably be sent in for a psyche valve. That's how most people would probably treat him, like he's crazy. We need to make sure he's not mentally ill. Uh, but yet the days are upon us when I think this is going to happen. There's going to be such a movement, the greatest movement of the Holy Spirit since Jesus walked the earth, uh, that the whole world will be transformed. Now, we're going to have to probably go through a little pain before we get to that moment, but it's coming. And I think that's going to be part of the triumph of Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. You know, she is the spouse of the Holy Spirit, so they move as a couple. Uh, where where she goes, he he goes, and where he is, she uh, most certainly would be too. Uh, 
because when you have the union of these two, uh, the union of the Holy Spirit and the Blessed Mother brings forth Jesus. And in you, another way to think about that is the Holy Spirit is is called the the, the charism. He's the charis, charismatic of the church. The Holy Spirit is a charismatic spirit. Uh, and Our Lady is contemplative. She's a woman pondering and in prayer all the time. So when the contemplative and the charismatic come together, again, you could say it brings forth a birthing of Jesus in people's hearts. That's what the world needs right now. Well, it's been so wonderful to be with you. Susan Skinner will be with me tomorrow. Uh, have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you. And I give you my priestly blessing. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan, signing out. <laughs>